How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi, Leslie's executive producer, hosting every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern while Leslie does her taping for television. Uh, you just heard a great guest from Roswell Park Cancer Institute talking about Vice President Biden's new push to help to try to find a cure for cancer. Talk about a tough job, but obviously um, Vice President Biden uh, very much personally affected by that. Um, we also heard from Julian Zelizer talking about part of President Obama's State of the Union um, last night. And another uh, initiative that President Obama has pushed for and mentioned last night uh, is raising the minimum wage. And uh, our assistant producer, Andrew Tomedy, uh sent me a great story uh, this week, earlier this week, uh, from TheNation.com, who we uh, have great guests on from. Um, and we've had for years, um, they do an excellent job. I encourage you to uh, follow them on Twitter at The Nation. Um, and Gabriel Thompson, who's the Steinbeck Fellow in Creative Writing at San Jose University and a contributor to The Nation, uh, wrote uh, a piece entitled, This is What $15 an Hour Looks Like. And it caught my eye because, obviously, the fight for 15 uh, has been very much uh, publicized over the past few years, which is something we're going to talk about, where it came from, uh, how it's grown into a, a very large movement, and how people know what that is now. But then beyond that, you know, many people thought, okay, that's, that, you know, we're pushing for that. And then you see, like, for instance, in Seattle, which, you know, Gabriel, without giving up too much of his piece, um, brings up, you know, those things are going to be gradually brought about. But there's a city which I didn't even know about, called Emeryville, California, that has a $15 hour minimum wage. Isn't that right, Gabriel? It, they raised, uh, and it's not just you that doesn't know about Emeryville. I mean, Emeryville <laughs> okay, <go ahead. laughs> is, uh, has about 10,000 people, and it's nestled, kind of wedged between Oakland and Berkeley, two cities that people do know about. Um, but Emeryville, last July, uh, what they did that was, uh, unusual and remarkable is that they had a minimum wage, which was California state minimum wage at the time of $9 an hour. And uh, on uh, in July, they bumped it up from $9 an hour to fourteen forty four an hour for large employers. And so, and, and within a couple of years, it'll be 16 and then over. So it's, it's, it's approximately 50, you know, it's, it's getting close to $15 an hour. Um, and, I think I was drawn to the city um, for one thing because it was such a big hike, and also they did that, you know, the change was kind of overnight. And so one day you're going to work and you're making $9 an hour, and the next day you're going to work and you're making, um, you know, fourteen forty-four an hour, which is more than a 60% increase. So I was curious to sort of follow some workers and find out, you know, what what that means. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles. There's been a number of headlines of, you know, 
these cities have $15 minimum wages, but what that means is that they've passed uh, minimum wage laws that will eventually get to $15 an hour, maybe in 2017 or 2020. Uh, Emeryville did it, got close to it in in one fell swoop. Now, looking at kind of the fight for 15, you uh, and I never really knew it. I had an idea about where it started and everything, but you do a good job in your piece um, outlining uh, basically it was in 2012 when uh, 200 fast food workers walked off the job in New York City. And, you know, when they asked for $15 an hour, people were kind of shocked because it was twice of what a lot of them earned. But that movement has stayed you know strong and has grown basically so you know as you look throughout the country you have a lot of people who are you know yearning for this but to see a city that has it and to be able to talk to individuals in the city i found it fascinating and i thought you found some very good examples of people um you're the first person mentioned in your article i hope i'm saying uh, her name right is is it shardija woolridge yeah shardija who is 19 years old um and is you know, basically trying to help her mom who receives disability, you asked her what it would mean to go from $9 an hour to $15 an hour. What, tell us a little bit about what her reaction was like and what she had to say. Well, I think, you know, uh, it seems somewhat unbelievable to some people, the idea of making $15 an hour. In fact, she didn't even know Emeryville, which was near where we were standing, had a, a minimum wage of 1444 When I told her that, she was also kind of blown away. Um so there's there's two things that that struck me when I spoke to her and spoke to a lot of people. Um, one was the the very they can tick off very quickly the the material things that they could the differences. So um, material differences. Their fridge could be filled with food. Their fridge was almost always empty. Um, they'd had their lights turned out, turned off. Electricity bills not paid. Um, so they'd sat in the dark. They'd been evicted a number of times. Um, she was very excited about the idea of being able to pay for Wi-Fi in their apartment because she was a she's a community college student, and um, you know, nowadays not having internet when you're a student, oh. uh, it doesn't it, it makes things. I can't even imagine. Lot. Yeah, no, and so so there's so there's that there's, there are these very basic things. Like the line she said to me was something along the lines of we could have Wi-Fi like everyone else, um, and so there. But but the the other. Uh, piece that she sort of imagined was just that um, all the sum of all those things of lights being turned out or having to worry about the lights being turned out or about having to negotiate rent um, payments and trying to always think one had one step ahead of the curve was that it's just a very stressful way to live and that um, having a big increase in income uh, people imagined and some that I spoke to had received it uh, reported that it it just sort of uh, made them relax a little more, and so and and they're connected. Uh, but I think it really points to that it's not just an economic issue, um, but it's also just sort of a, a quality of life issue. It's hard to it's hard to um, relax when you're constantly stressed, uh, and and the Bay Area is so incredibly expensive. One thing I'd say that that's interesting about uh, I, I don't think a lot of people probably who just follow the, the who, who know about the fight for 15 now um, knew that it, it originated with a relatively small group of fast food workers who went out on strike in New York City, um, and that's sort of a a mark of its success is that um, it 
you know, the origins were so improbable. And now it seems, you know, it, it doesn't seem inevitable, but it seems much more uh, within the realm of possibility, the idea of having a minimum wage, uh, $15 minimum wage. Um, and we, people that plan campaigns, you know, one of the, one of the goals you, you think about is, is this campaign winnable when you start, right? I mean, no one wants to put a lot of time and effort and resources into campaigns that aren't winnable. Well, when this started, this is one of those campaigns that, it's, you know, I, it's hard to find people that thought, yes, this is winnable, because it was just, like you mentioned, as I mentioned, it's, it was audacious. It was a big grab. It was a big goal. And I think um, one of the labor... Uh, heads of a, of a labor union in Washington State that uh, I spoke to has been very involved in the, the fight for 15, said that um, that's sometimes what's missing in a lot of campaigns, especially labor campaigns, is um, you need to have something that kind of sparks people's imagination, that gets them thinking in a, in a big way and gets people excited. And sometimes when you get so focused on small issues uh, that are winnable and trying to be, you know, um, take on only challenges that you're sure you can uh, meet, uh, you can lose some of that, that spark. And I think you see that, you know, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, there's a presidential cam- uh, candidate, Bernie Sanders, um, is now championing the fight for 15, and many people would argue has some other very big ideas in his campaign. So it's interesting to see a candidate like that um, adopt, you know, a policy like this. But back specifically to, you know, Emeryville, um, one of the things, uh, you know, that you talked about was the cost of living in the area, for instance, like right around Oakland. And I'm trying to find the rate uh, in your article, but I think uh, it was something like, yeah, it was like a median one bedroom apartment is like 1980. That's just astounding. Yeah. I mean, I think so there's, there's, it's a complicated story about what happened when you raise the wage like that, because um, I met people who, for whom it meant a great deal. And, I, and everyone I spoke to, so a lot of times the pieces on minimum wage look at all sorts of uh, issues related to it, except how it actually affects minimum wage workers. So I really wanted to be specific and sort of fill in that gap a little bit. So that's who I was speaking to during my reporting. But uh, it also... So everyone appreciated the raise, obviously, but for a lot of people, they didn't feel it that much because um, the Bay Area is has um, you know an incredibly high cost of living, and a city like Oakland has has been. Um, I think it actually uh, has seen the rents rise the quickest over uh, year over year uh, in the country as a city. And so, yes, the median one bedroom now is. Going, apartment is going for almost two thousand dollars, nine one thousand nine hundred eighty dollars, and so um, there were a lot of people for whom the raise was more or less eaten up with all these other rising costs. Um, the MIT has this kind of what they call a living wage calculator, and a professor there has spent a great deal of time trying to figure out um, by county, county by county around the, the United States. Um, what sort of wage a person would need to be able to pay um, for the basics, rent um, or housing, child care, food, transportation in the different counties, um, taking into consideration the different cost of living. For, for Alameda County, um, which is where Emeryville is, uh, for a family of four, 
you're, they're, they're calculating that the living wage would need to be $27.83. So it gives you a sense wow. that this is not like, it's not like $15 an hour is a, a promised land where everything suddenly falls into place. You're still, uh, you know, you're, people are still sort of struggling mightily to make ends meet because um, in a place like Emeryville, in a place like the Bay Area, uh, everything else is cost of everything else are going up so quickly. Gabriel, I want to take a break, but after the break, I want you to talk about, um, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the organizations in that area that gave pushback, um, how it was dealt with, and then, um, you know, kind of the other stories, the other personal stories in the area. And then I wanted to ask you your opinion kind of around the rest of the country where this movement uh, is going. Uh, if you'd like to join in with uh, our guest from thenation.com, uh, Gabriel Thompson, you can do so by giving us a call at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Um, we're talking about the fight for 15, raising the minimum wage. Um, what's your opinion on a $15 an hour minimum wage? Do you think it's enough? I mean, as you heard, Gabriel uh, just brought up the cost of living in some of these areas. I mean, how do you think it should be calculated? Um, the other thing in his story he brings up is this illusion that you know a minimum wage worker is this young kid you know getting extra uh, spending money a majority of people he talked to were not in that situation so i think that's just a, a push um, by people who are against it um, that just isn't the reality and, and you could see in this personal story where he talked to many people that it just wasn't the reality but again your opinions are all uh, opinions are welcome at 8886 leslie that's 888-653-7543 this is mark Romaldi in for leslie marshall Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi filling in for Leslie. I am joined by Gabriel Thompson of thenation.com. And uh, we're just talking about his piece uh, for the nation uh, entitled This is What $15 an Hour Looks Like. Um, and before the break, Gabriel, we were talking about uh, what the pushback was that you outlined in your article in uh, Emeryville. Um, I know the, uh, I believe it was the restaurant uh, association lobbying group in that um, area pushed back against it. And how did the mayor deal with it there? Yeah, that was the, the biggest pushback was the California Restaurant Association. Um, and essentially, uh, they sort of listened and then did what they wanted to do anyways. Um, you know, the, the restaurant association, uh, the, there's also the National Restaurant Association, which some people call the, the other NRA. Um, and they, they basically, around the country, um, lobby against these kinds of, uh, of minimum wage increases. Um, and they did the same here. And, um, and the, the, the city council went ahead and, and raised the, the minimum wage. One of the sort of compromises they did is that actually the coalition that supported the, the minimum wage, uh, the coalition to raise minimum wage was made up of um, labor and community groups and also a lot of small businesses because they, for small businesses, they allowed them to raise it less, only to go up to 12.25 and then slowly increase up to the, to meet the, the newer, higher minimum wage. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's certainly true that 
restaurant the restaurant industry uh, is is most affected. I mean, because you know most of the minimum wage jobs in the area and in general, uh, quite a few are uh, are are in the restaurant industry. So um, there is you know there have it's an industry that it also has incredibly high turnover. So you'll see like at least in Oakland, you know. Uh, where I live, there'll be restaurants coming and going all the time. And so I think they will end up being the most impacted by it. And it's, it's sort of early to find it, too early to see um, the long-term impacts of that. Um, but I did notice that with this new minimum wage in the bigger restaurants of fourteen forty-four an hour, um, it created an interesting dynamic of, for example, dishwashers were suddenly making the same amount as as everyone else. And so for some folks, there's a sense of like, wait a sec, I'm making the same as a dishwasher. Um, uh, and so I think what you might find in the future is 1444 being the new base upon which other wages start rising as well. Which I think that's what the industry hopes, essentially, is it will be kind of, you know, helping everyone essentially um you know for instance say the cook makes three dollars hour or more than the dishwasher then he would make 1744 and and the thing is i mean it's been shown in many studies that the more these employees make especially like you said when you first ask them the first thing they do is how are they going to spend money in the local economy is these people spend money um unlike the top tier that usually does not put it in these parts of the local community I mean, these people who live in these communities spend that money in the same community. So, I mean, not getting into too much of the economic um, argument of it, because I know your piece mostly dealt with the personal end of it, but I think that's one thing that, you know, a lot of um, studies have shown uh, to be the case, but I do find it very interesting of, about that dynamic, because I could see, I could honestly see being, you know, a worker who, you know, maybe had a higher wage because I was doing something that's deemed, you know, more skillful or more difficult, or maybe I was working there longer, for instance, and then all of a sudden, you know, my peer who just started working and didn't have the same seniority as me um, was making the same amount. I could see why some people would be upset by that. So I think it will be interesting to watch, as you said, and see how these, um, you know, businesses deal with that. Um, the one story that I found, you know, all of them were honestly just very uh, touching. And I think that's what people have to remember. These are real people. And when you read their stories, it, it brings them, it jumps off the page or off your computer screen and it comes to life and you understand, you know, what these people are going through. Um, one story that I found particularly um, inspirational and hopeful um, is the one about Daniel Mercado. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about his story? Yeah, so Daniel Mercado came, uh, moved to the Bay Area from the Philippines uh, a couple of years ago uh, and with his wife and his daughter. And in the Philippines, he had lived in Manila, uh, and he had worked at a hotel making about uh, $12 a day. And uh, he joined other family members uh, in the Bay Area. And when I met him, um, he was working as a janitor, and he had uh, recently received, he was he had been receiving the nine dollars an hour, and now he was making fourteen forty four an hour. Um, and I, at nine dollars an hour in the Bay Area, he had this image of of the United States as kind of this place where life wouldn't be easy, but it'd be a lot more comfortable. You know, you, you, he'd work as hard as he worked in the Philippines, but he'd be able to kind of save money and relax a little bit. And um, and that's not what he found at all. He he went into debt at nine dollars an hour. Um, his his daughter got a job at McDonald's, also making the minimum wage. 
Um, but I talked to him uh, about four months after the wage increase had gone into effect. Um, he told me that it was the first time that he had been able, since moving to the U.S., to put money aside uh, and save it. And that, on its own, is a pretty big deal. You know, you're suddenly able to, after having many years, and, and in the Philippines, you really couldn't save much money either. So uh, one of the one of the first times in your life really being able to put money away. And he hadn't put a lot away. He'd put about, I think it was about $1,500 uh, that he'd been able to save thus far. But um, That's pretty that, decent that, in four months, considering he was in, in debt before then. I mean, um, yeah. you know, it's impressive. Gabriel, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want everybody to check out Gabriel's work. You can follow him on Twitter, at G underscore Thompson 1. That's at G underscore Thompson 1. Check out The Nation at thenation.com. Uh, if you'd like to read Gabriel's piece that we were discussing today, it's called This is What $15 an Hour Looks Like. Gabriel, thanks again for coming on the show. This is Mark Romoli.